Andrew McGahan here for Severe MMA. The pride of Limerick, the young man named Sean Sheehan. The Severe MMA people that are coming to the local shows way before everyone else. To see them coming up and they're getting their shot, and I'm proud that people are coming up with me. Episode 59 of your favourite mixed martial arts podcast is finally here. The Severe MMA podcast is back. 14th of March 2016 at 2.35 on Monday afternoon. Andrew McGann here, joined as always by Sean Sheehan. Sean, I'm having massive deja vu here. This time last year, we started celebrating the passing of the guard, the changing of the seasons. Spring is finally here. Is it as sunny as fuck in Limerick as well, is it? Yeah. 30 seconds in and we've got our first swear of the podcast. I'm thinking about (laughs) starting a a swear jar. It's going to be taken down again. Yeah. I actually, I was talking to my father there about an hour ago. I was like, geez, the summer's here, isn't it? You just you can just kind of feel it one day in the year. I think it's here now. I was sitting, I was standing outside my front door there, or inside my front door even, and I could just feel the sun. I was like, "What? Oh, winter is over. The seasons have changed. It's beautiful summer. feeling. It's summer now. Yeah, it is. I um, I was woken up this morning by the sun coming through my bed. Not coming through my bed, but coming through the window uh, above my bed. <laughs> and that it'd be worrying if it was coming. Yeah, through yeah, the bed. no, that, no, like we have uh, we have glass floors. <laughs> That's all it is. That'd be weird, wouldn't it? Glass floors. Yeah. Do, yeah. do you ever like walk up glass stairs? Um, no, but I've stood on like a suspend like that thing in Chicago. I've stood on a suspended oh, yeah. thing. I don't, I don't like them over glass. Yeah, no, I'm not too fond of them either. They, you get a little bit. I don't want to say dizzy, but. They're just a bit weird to stand on. Do you know what I hate? Do you know them stairs that are kind of just like, they're wooden steps and there's like, there's a gap between each step. Yeah, you know? and and when they're spiral, that's even worse. Oh yeah, I don't like them at all. No, I'm not a fan of spiral staircases. <laughs> I, I should there. mention that it takes till about uh, quarter to one, half twelve for the sun to get through my bedroom window onto my bed. <laughs> so I had a, a, a leisurely Monday, you know, yeah. I had a, had the morning off. My sleeping patterns are back to normal. I are you up. back? Are you, on, yeah. are you on Greenwich Mean Time again? I was up at half eight this morning. Though. What? Nice, yeah. Graham Sunday rang morning. me today, actually. Graham rang me at like half one and it was like, uh, Andrew, well, how's things? How's the form? And I was like, Graham, this is far too early for you to be that uh, that energetic. And he's like, yeah, I've been up for hours. I don't know what's wrong. <laughs> I was like, all right. <laughs> he's, he's, me, he's ultra productive today. He got about four things done on the phone there. Yeah, scandalous. Myself and Graham have kind of synced up our sleeping patterns, I think. You always are. No, no matter yeah. when, like whether you are on Vegas time or Greenwich Mean Time, the, uh, it's just, it's uncomfortable. It's weird. Yeah. It's like women, do you know, their periods sync when they're together all the time. I think we're a bit like that. Does that actually happen or is this a male's perspective <laughs> on how women's periods work? Apparently it does, from what I've heard, which could be total bullshit, but I think it does. No way. Yeah, Jesus. We need to get off this topic. <laughs> this could go anywhere. Why? But um, I don't know. What was I going to say? I, uh, Sunday morning. I get off it. I assume you mean, yes, Andrew, I'm already Googling it. <laughs> Indeed. Sunday morning I was up, had my article. Oh, my God. The first Google suggestion is do women's and then period sync came straight yeah. up. Go on. These are the questions that need to be answered. Go on, and do that. What was the answer? Don't mind me. I'm Loosely not- defined, menstrual synchrony means that women's cycles sync up so that roommates, dorm residents, bunkmates in the military, or mothers and daughters begin to adjust cycle lengths such that females begin to be, be on their periods at the same time. What? See? You are draw Like, as Dave, Dave Fogarty came out with the line of the trip, 
right? And I promise that we're going to get off this topic now straight away. Yeah. But don't trust anything that bleeds for seven days straight and doesn't die, Sean. God. Now there's the the brief there's the brief pause of deliberation in our head. It's like should we stop the recording and edit that? <laughs> yeah, out? I was just thinking that. Fuck it, we can blame it on Dave Fogarty. What do you think? I disagree with Dave Fogarty's statement. I think that's a disgusting thing to say statement. about women. I know. I was yeah. just passing the message on. Like we know what he's like. Yeah. I think I personally, I didn't even want to say it myself. Yeah, I but, know. I could hear it in your voice that you said it with angst and kind uh, of a hatred in your voice. Yeah, I know completely. Mm-hmm. Anyway, this podcast is off to a great start. Four and a half Give me minutes back in. Back oh my god! <laughs> As always, <laughs> sorry, lads. Sorry that we got caught up there, wee bit. As always, thank you very much to our sponsors, BeanieBasher.com, a fun, affordable hand-eye coordination tool to improve your mixed martial arts striking. Available at BeanieBasher.com, only ten pounds, very cheap shipping, and they will ship to anywhere in the world. I, I'm telling you, I'm on commission for these boys. I brought yeah. my beanie basher to the uh, to the tournament in Dublin the other day. There is footage of me beanie bashing. Is there? There is. Can I you? Saw uh, your friend, uh, is it Decky Decky Dalton? Is Decky McLeanan. Decky McLeanan. Sorry, he's yeah. quite good at it, isn't he? Yeah, he was good at it. Yeah, and I saw Alan Philpot tweeting him saying he must get one. Yeah, no, uh, there's a, a couple of people were up to me as well at the tournament, being like, "Where do I get them?" Maybe the boy should give me them wholesale and I'll just sell them at tournaments. Mm. Can you uh, can you turn on your video there? Can I turn on my video? Um, yeah. I don't know if my uh, if my camera is plugged in. It doesn't seem to be. Because, okay. oh, because yeah. I have the video right here of me beanie bashing and you can tell me how good I am. What are we going to talk about this week though, Sean? I don't know. What, what, is there MMA? There's no MMA this week. It's a bit of a slow week. Yeah, it's a bit of a hold on. I know we do. We don't like um the people don't like us talking about soccer, but just a quick one. Vinger out or Vinger not out? Vinger not out. I never see you're fucking wearing an Arsenal jersey now. Hold I on, wearing yeah. an Arsenal jersey now. Yeah. <laughs> Vinger never out. Okay, look at this, Sean. I'm turning it round. Oh, you're going beanie bashing? Okay, can you see it? okay, I can see it. I'll describe this for the users. Okay, Andrew's punching badly. Oh, he's punching. Okay. You're not doing a bad job. I know, and I'm screaming beaniebasher.com in the middle of the hall yeah, as well. I want one of those. Graham got two, and I got fucking none. <laughs> Graham got two, and both of them are in my house. <laughs> I'll send you your cup, and you send me down a beanie basher. No, we're okay with that. Oh, no, no, next time we see, we'll, we'll correlate. We'll swap gifts. I get it. But if it's, you're... It's, uh, weird, it's weird seeing you. I don't like looking at you. I, am I gone? No, you're still there. Am I still there? Yeah. I thought I was gone. Surprise, motherfucker. Some fries, motherfucker. Uh, okay, turn I can't stop singing that song. Yeah, what about that song? Is that the greatest? If anyone hasn't seen spot? it, Sean Sheehan probably going to single-handedly get it to number one in the Irish charts within the next week. Nick, uh, Nate Diaz, surprise, motherfucker, remix. Yeah. Throw it into YouTube there. You'll find it. Um, so to finish off that, beaniebasher.com, £10, very cheap, great fun, great crack. Girls actually think you're a lot cooler, 50% cooler if you use it in front of them. That's an unofficial survey for my results at the tournament of the weekend. But I'm pretty sure that either way they were looking at me. So whether they thought I was cooler or something else, it doesn't really matter, Sean, because they were still looking at me and my product. Yeah, fair play. Beaniebash.com. Oost the fuck. Right, so that's all in this week's podcast. No MMA for you this week. Well, see you next week. Um, speaking, of, speaking of your, um, your whole jiu-jitsu tournament there, you've seen a video you just posted on Twitter. You got your fucking head smashed off the canvas. I wanted to, um, I wanted to make it into a little video, 
Do you know, yeah. and put that song under it. And I pick the world up and I drop it on its fucking Boom. head. <laughs> you need a dubstep remix. Yeah, just, just something like, like yeah. I can't stop, 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 stop. I don't know, something like a... <laughs> yeah, as the bass drops, just have like your head going... Boop, 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 boop. Do, 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 something like that. And um, for those that haven't seen it... Maybe the reason why I'll forget a lot of things in this podcast, maybe the reason why my neck is still sore and my back is still sore a couple of days later. Uh, threw it up on the Twitter page earlier on. I went for Flying Triangle at the weekend against a pretty good opponent, a Brazilian guy in my first match, and he uh, reversed it into a drop Sionagi, which is a judo throw. And I find the best Kenny way to Florian. break fall... What? Go ahead, Kenny Florian with your fucking judo draw names. How's that? No, that's actually... Oh, I thought you were saying I was stealing that off someone. Like, no, that oh, is, no, it's no, called no. a dropsy on Aggie. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I do. That's a separate point that I'll come back to. Okay. Um, so I found out that the best way to break these judo falls, like to break fall correctly, is by landing head first. Mm. And I agree, Sean, the mat was a meter thick onto a, a wooden floor. So I definitely felt it. Definitely saw a couple of stars, but by, by still meter, you mean about a centimeter? What? By, you, no, you no, it's a, it's a meter. Yeah, no, it's a meter thick. What? Do you know how big a meter is? Oh, wait. Maybe it's not a meter thing. A Ma- like it's a meter long. <laughs> long. <laughs> yeah, long. Um, I think is it's it? about 40, 40 or 50 millimeters thick. Uh, yeah, maybe. No, it'd be a bit, bit thicker than that, I'd say. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. It looked raw. It was about an inch thick, we'll say. But it looked it was a fucking raw fall anyway. It's a judo like, mat, which are the the heaviest type of mats. Like They're, they're yeah. fine. Like. It was grand. Look, I shook it off and it was no bother. You won the match. I won that one, and then I won my next one by Rear Naked Choke, and then got armbarred. Severe MMA podcast fan Keith Kavanagh, Andrade. Yeah, yeah. It was a bit of a, a bit of an early tap. It was a bit of a sage and cut. Um, how did you see it? Oh, you saw the video. On, yeah, it was on the video. It yeah. was a bit of a it was a bit of an early tap. I'm not gonna lie. I was uh, it was a weird one. It was from the scramble, like I went for a takedown and then ended up pulling mount somehow. Ended up getting mounted from my takedown. Then escaped from that into an omoplata position, rolled, yeah. and then he was able to lock an armbar in as I was coming up. But it was weird. It was like it was fully extended, and then yeah. he didn't pull it anymore, and he kind of let go of it as I was tapping. <clears throat> so it was weird. If I hadn't a tap, I feel that my arm could have slid out. But I almost got wrist locked as well standing, which was with Steven Seagal style, which would have been hilarious if I had it, that had happened. How often in that level of MMA or of uh, BJJ would you see someone getting omoplatted? Omoplatted? Yeah. Um, it's weird because that was my second omoplata escape of the day because yeah. <laughs> I was caught in a bad triangle in the first match. And what I do when I'm caught in a triangle is, do you know the way they try to pull the arm across the body to finish the triangle? Yeah. I will bring the arm completely behind their back. So they can't finish the triangle there. So it's actually goading them into going for an omoplata. And then I just roll straight out of it. But omoplatas are... In the gi, they're not so uncommon. Because some guys like playing off their back will play like a collar and sleeve guard. So they'll hold this collar and sleeve on the same side. Foot on the bicep. And they're able to kick through for omoplatas quite a bit. But actually finishing them, I think, is is the difficult part of it. You know, like there's... There's a black belt called Andrus Bernovskis who's got a really, really good omoplata game. But outside of that, like you need to be ridiculously high level at it to be able to catch people in it because 
there's just too much too many ways that they can escape yeah. once you're instigating it whereas a triangle is fairly like it goes locked on quick or an armbar will go on quick and Oma Plata there's a couple of steps it's not that painful that, either is it? it's what? it's not that painful is it? oh no it'll it'll rip your shoulder off like it's it I will be. eventually like but it, yeah no the start you, you can kind of go with it and you can kind of roll around the place with it as well at the start so you get away with it who's the uh, who's the only Oma Plata who's the only man to ever get an Oma Plata in UFC? Uh, ben Saunders oh, knowledge Who's the only man? Who's the first man to get a Norman Platt in Irish MMA? Uh, Joey Braslin. Yeah, yeah. A better, there was a, a reverse Berum Bowler or something in, in MMA the other day or something. Was there? Yeah. Where uh, is, that, is that even a thing? Uh, was it done from a half guard position? So there's a thing called a kiss of the dragon, which I really like. It's an inside. Like, so you'd be in half guard, they'd stand up, and you'd have a reverse De La Hiva guard, and then you spin on your shoulder and this come... Is, this is beyond my pay grade now. Okay, you, you pretty much go from half guard, spin yeah. underneath them, underneath their open legs, like a child crawling through someone's legs, and end yeah. up being able to take their back. Oh, yeah, yeah. I've, I've, someone posted one of those the other day, it was really cool. So there you go. Lee He's, Hammond's looking for another band bolo, I'd say. A lot of these really cool jujitsu things half are like predicated on a huge mistake by one of the people, aren't they? It's like a Baron Bolo and a revert and a kiss of the dragon can be instigated by the person doing them yeah. once they're good enough at what they're doing. Oh, yeah, yeah, Baron Bolo again, but I'm not talking about the other, I'm talking about other things like a lot of these back takes and stuff. You know, if if someone keeps a hold of you, you're not really getting them, are you? Yeah, I know what you mean. It, it it can be like one mistake, but more than likely, it's just a guy having maybe a really cool sort of transit. Like my, I only have one take then. Like I have an arm drag, and that's about it. What about your single leg? I like. Um, I have other takes, <coughs> but my arm drag is my favorite one. And yeah. I, I have the type of guy that will hit it quite a lot, but just hit it randomly. Like it's just because it's muscle memory, and it's not like, okay, I'm gonna do this now. It's Oh, there's a chance for me to hit it, so I can do it. So I'm going to try it. Who did an arm sense. drag? Was it McGregor arm drag someone in one of his? McGregor oh, no. arm drag Dana White on the stage. No, it was Uriah Faber who arm dragged, was it? Uh, remember, that, remember that when he was cutting away and they were like, they oh, backstage, like yeah. No, I don't know Give if he arm dragged drag. him then, but I think uh, he definitely arm dragged Dana on the stage as well. Oh, did he? Oh, yeah, he to get oh, past to try get towards right. Al, to get towards Aldo. But anyway, I suppose we should talk about mixed martial arts. 14 sure. minutes into the podcast. What is happening? What is coming up? What has happened? Do we even care? Not Are we really gonna? Is there any more fallout from Conor McGregor versus Nate yeah, Diaz? I suppose, I suppose that's where we should start. We start about uh, this is this is a media media podcast. Two the two the fucking leading figures, leading figures, D two leading figures. I would say, like, who else is there really? Come on, let's be honest. There, it's just just the two of us, the, the face of just Irish the two media. Making me what. We kind of touched on it last week, and I went on to a little bit of a rant. And what's your whole take on, on the media reaction to McGregor's loss, and more the mainstream media than the MMA media? So the majority of the reaction has been positive due to the fact of how Conor handled his defeat. But there has been a lot of like opinion pieces, the stuff that has been going around for a while, different articles... And it seems like they've been waiting for the chance for him to lose so they can bring out the article that they had first written two years ago, but nobody cared because everyone was enjoying Connor's rise at that stage. Is that a fair enough thing? It just seems to be the same old 
bog standard criticisms of either the sport, him as a person, ignoring plain evidence, insight that is like, no, this doesn't actually fit with my story or opinion on Conor McGregor. So I'm just going to leave that out entirely and just go on ahead. Fair enough, everyone is entitled to their opinion and we've been around long enough and seen enough of these stories that I don't get annoyed anymore because, number one, papers and online sites are going to print them because people are going to click into them. If it causes outrage, even more people are going to click into them. And the person who's writing it can always stand behind the defence that it's their opinion and I can't be wrong because this is my opinion. Yeah, the sport of mixed martial arts isn't for everyone. Yes, to some people it's excessively violent. Yes, to other people, the maybe the more... Like, who, who knows? Even having a ring girl walking around is enough to make some people completely outraged to the point of wanting to write an opinion piece. But you can't really do something like that and leave yourself so open. Sonia O'Sullivan, who made a couple of references about the... Was it the death zone? Yeah. In her article? Yet... How many people have died from marathons? Sanyo Sullivan's piece was a little bit different. It wasn't your usual hit piece. I think most people kind of read the headline on that and got mad. <clears throat> but if you actually read it, I think she has like a weekly column. And like she just talks about all the sport that happened that weekend, what she wrote and stuff. You know, it's, it's like anyone's opinion piece in a column. Loads of people do it. She wasn't like... She was just giving her opinions of MMA, and that's okay. I don't mind that. It's you know, I don't, I don't mind the hate pieces either because I'm so used to them. But I can see why people would be a bit mad at that. But the whole Sonia Sullivan thing, all she was saying was she didn't like the way people. She didn't like blood, first of all. Fair enough. She didn't like doesn't like people getting choked out, which is fair enough. <laughs> Made me laugh about our earlier topic. <laughs> Jesus. Therefore, I blame Dave Fogarty again. It's all Dave Fogarty's fault. But yeah, look, I I think she made fair enough assumption. Okay, the whole they're close to death. But for people like who are uneducated on the sport, who like that might be our first time ever seeing MMA. You know, that's what it looks like. <laughs> that's what you know, like MMA people like us and people who have been following the sport, fans of the sport kind of we kind of convince ourselves that you know everything is okay and this is fine you know we're educated and it's safe when people get choked out you know it's not bad it's it's a lot worse to get knocked out you know there's doctors there and everything we look we know it's okay but there's still the little bit of you know this is still you know this is still two people fighting each other like there's there's that little bit of uh you know if you don't have that i think you're a bit you know you're you're a bit misplaced in your thoughts so you need you need to keep that in your head as well and for people some people that's very important and like i have no qualms if someone says you know um you know, i don't like blood i don't like seeing people getting choked out that that's fine i know sanya said okay she said the, the death it's near death and all which we all know it isn't like everyone who who watches the sport uh and uh, you know knows what ha- knows what happens in the sport knows it isn't but to her she doesn't so look that's fair enough she wasn't going on a tirade it's the people who actually go on the tirade with the hit pieces that are and one like there's a lot of things to criticize in mma and i think mma journalists do actually a pretty good job of criticizing them so when mainstream media journalists come on and kind of criticize the wrong things it's a little bit weird yeah because if you're like are we going to reference any particular pieces no reference whatever you want so I actually haven't read any of these yet, but we, you and me, have got a lot of texts this morning, a lot of tweets from uh, like tagging us into conversations. And there's that guy who always pops up, Miguel 
someone. Michael Delaney, is it? Yeah, Miguel Delaney, yeah. Well, he's Irish. So I don't know why he's called Miguel. His name's Michael. Uh, I think he's fatter. Half Irish, Spanish, half Spanish. Right. Cool. I'm a quarter Belgian. You don't see my name being something like Fellaini or something like that. Are you really? Are you really? No, I'm not. But you know the way people are so like so <laughs> quick to claim half heritage. Half heritage is like, it's ridiculous. Anyway, this guy always has an opinion on Conor McGregor. Different things like that. Now, maybe I'm not smart enough. Fair enough. I'm not smart enough to engage in such other stuff like this. But for the basis of your point on not liking Conor McGregor or not liking whatever about him to be say, I think he's an ultra Thatcherite, which is one of the few reasons I dislike him, his talent notwithstanding. In an economic sense, which can admittedly bleed into morality, then yes, he is an ultra Thatcherite. Now, if anyone out there has a PhD in bullshit, not making sense, incoherent words, bigger words to make yourself seem smarter than you actually are, and can explain that in a fairly loud, bog-standard way of reasoning, please get in touch at SevereMMAPod on Twitter and let me know what he means. Sean, can you help me? <coughs> actually, no, because you are such an ultra-Thatcherite yourself, you probably agree with him, you fucking... Yeah. Like but, why? What is what is the gain from doing that? Like you're putting yourself on a pedestal to make yourself seem more intelligent than you actually are, but your opinions do not reflect that of an intelligent, well, an intelligent, well balanced individual. I think there's a little bit of a thing, you know. Is there a chip on the shoulder? Is this the yeah, guy yeah. that had the that tried to do a follow up piece with Connor and said, "But I did a big piece on him before." And then wasn't given another fuck. Because genuinely, fuck, 21 minutes in, first genuinely the podcast. And a second swear. Shit. Ah. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, we need a... I think the majority of these hit pieces are from flowery writers that didn't get a one-on-one sit-down with McGregor when they were looking for it. Or a good piece on McGregor. So that turned into, actually, do you know what? (laughs) Just like change every positive in the article that had already written to a negative, and then it's the same piece. Like I don't mind someone criticizing. I've said it over and over in this podcast again for the last year, however long we've been doing it, and before that on articles and different things. If you want to criticize McGregor for, you know, what he's like for being loud and boisterous and the things he said, that's fair enough. Like I don't like if you criticize someone for that criticism, I don't, you know, I don't think you have much of a leg to stand on. But when you're doing it the way he's like, like he's a tabloid journal, soccer journalist, like, and to, you know to be uh, calling someone I out might about as well their apologize about to their morality Delaney here because it wasn't him that wrote an article. It was a guy called Malachy no. Clark. Yeah, but I wrote, I read that article, and that article wasn't that bad. It was basically he was that, that article was about um, how touchy MMA fans are, and that article was basically like. It was about Sonia Sullivan's article, kind of, that people jumped down her throat before they even read the article. It wasn't that bad. Like, that guy, that wasn't a hit piece either. That Malik Clerkin, actually, like, is an intelligent guy. He wrote, he wrote, um, uh, like, he wrote, a, a, I think, a pretty well-meaning piece and stuff. And, uh, you know, it wasn't that bad. But, like, I think Roy Cortis wrote one as well. I haven't read that yet, but... You know what Ray Curtis is like now. Uh, he's been writing about soccer and stuff, and it's 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 weird. It's usually these tabloid soccer journalists that are, you know, writing about morality when when you know when ninety nine percent of what they write is is bullshit, like just total, you know, 
it, it may seem like they have good sources and stuff, but most of it's, you know, most of it's just lies. Um, well, not lies from them, but lies people tell them about, you know. Oh, Jose Mourinho is going to be Man United manager in January. Is he? Okay, he's kind of not. But, like, I don't mind if, if someone writes a piece, a critical piece on MMA, that's that's fair enough. Like, I, I don't mind it. But as long as you, like, as long as you're well-researched, uh, as long as you don't just put in, you know, pure bullshit. And, you know, you can have your opinion as well, but, you know, you, when you're going overboard, a lot of it is just, as you say, like, for to be cli- fair, for clicks and for fucking for effect, really. From scanning through that article, there it is. Uh, it is fair enough to say, mixed martial arts fans do overreact a lot. Oh, they do, yeah. I and I, and I think, and I think that the reason, maybe they jump the gun and be like, "Oh, you don't know what you're talking about," but by saying that, they're actually proving your man's point. <laughs> Completely right because of how defensive that they can get. So I don't know if it's a good thing or a bad thing because it's obviously good to have people that are so passionate and involved in the sport and willing to defend the sport, but it does make them maybe a bit of an easy target for people to take pot shots at when they do react the same way every single time. That's why I'm going from my current like excluding the fact that we've spoken about it on this podcast. Like we get we get tweets about articles and did you see this? It's a disgrace. And then you have the the cohort coming on, like being like, "This is ah, how dare you write about MMA? How dare you write about MMA? You don't, you're a football writer. How dare you?" Like, that's just giving them exactly the reaction that they want, do you know? And to me, it's like everyone can have their opinion. Like my opinion is completely different from yours on a lot of things. I know we don't uh, share the same beliefs. My opinion is different from my brother's opinion, my mum's opinion, my dad's opinion. We all have different opinions in this world. And if we don't accept that other people are allowed to have their own opinion, like these people aren't rewriting the law. If you write an opinion piece in the Irish Times, it's not going to be passed in the new doll whenever that gets formed. You have to accept that some people are going to think different than you. You like peanut butter. I don't like peanut butter. I well, hate peanut butter. Sorry, that's the wrong way around. I love yeah. peanut butter. You don't like peanut butter. Yeah, that's true. Do you know what I mean? The woman down the streets into SDMM bondage or whatever like that. <clears throat> Me personally, I'm not too into that. Oh, Do you well, know? No. So you're an evening. What? Well, <laughs> not on Tuesdays, <laughs> but sure, look. Uh, so it's just the way that the world goes. Everyone's allowed to have their own opinions. Same, same with. My God, sorry. This is turning into the political activist hour. Sponsored by Amnesty International. Like, the way... I know it's, it's, it's a very bad example here, but people that don't like MMA or people that are defensive about MMA, you just have to go back to same-sex relationships. Like, everybody should be allowed to love whoever they want and go out with whoever they want and do with whatever they want. But, I love MMA. <laughs> <laughs> but you can't like men fighting in cages. Because yeah. when they hug on the ground, it's stupid. No, but... I... Sean I'm trying to make about 10 points at once here And I just can't get the words out of my mouth Everyone can have an opinion on anything You can't change someone's opinion Because people don't like being proven wrong with their opinions They just hide behind the Well that's my opinion And I'm entitled to my opinion And you can't tell me I can't have an opinion And that's when the angsty sort of levels rise And people get like Your opinion is wrong I need to tell you how wrong it is It's like chill Sit we back, knew, enjoy the spring fans. weather. We knew MMA fans as well, and there's a lot of them in Ireland about right about now. You get very, they're very, very defensive of the sport. Like I was like that myself. It's you know, 
and I think it's that, that little thing again that you're kind of, you know, you're trying to m- convince yourself it's okay a little bit as well. Even even if that might, you know, even if you might not acknowledge that or see it, I think that is definitely a little bit of it. And like, it's kind of natural to be defensive of the sport as well, you, you know, when you love it so much and all that. But w- once you start watching, like I'm, how long now? I'm about 10 years watching MMA, about seven years watching it, like a hardcore watching it. And at this stage, like I'm just let people think what they think. Like I start to look at things with a more, not a more negative view, but with a more, you know, inquisitive view, maybe like things, you know, you, you know, you don't look at things um, from a more kind of, you're kind of a, you're new to everything at the start. And then you kind of, you learn how things kind of go, but, you know, MMA has lots of problems, and I think, as I said earlier, like I think MMA journalists do a great job of uh, of pointing out what those problems are enough. And I, you know, I when guys like you know whoever does guys who write articles for the you know guys who are maybe soccer writers or GA writers or whatever, and they write a one kind of negative article with their opinion, and then they see just like hundreds of. MMA, these new MMA, not even new MMA fans, but older MMA fans as well, you know, coming down tweeting, I'm like, how dare you, you're talking bullshit, you haven't a clue what you're talking about. That just gives them, you know, fuel to write more articles. because yeah, they know, or they know proof they, that they were right in the yeah, first place. proof that they were right in the first place, exactly, yeah. So, like, my thing is, if if they want to voice their opinion, let them voice their opinion. And, like, don't, you know, don't be, oh, look at this article, this is real bad. Yeah. Don't do that. Don't instead, share it. Don't yeah, let other people don't read share it. it. <laughs> instead, instead, Just block the person. Instead, tweet at Irish Times, at Irish Independent, whoever, and tell, tell them who you'd like to fucking be writing articles for them. For them. What MMA writers you think should be writing for them. Like, there's hundreds of MMA writers and fucking journalists in the world that could be doing it like exactly or, like that's the, more productive like the best the best thing about all of this is that people think when people get annoyed at it they'll get annoyed at the publication for allowing someone like that to write yeah. something so informed even though it's an opinion piece but at the end of the day these guys are absolute spoofers do you know like some of these people may be staff writers that are just deciding to write a column others are just freelance people the majority of them are probably doing it for free. If you see any mixed martial arts content or publication on something like the Irish Times, the Mirror Online, the Independent Online, any of those publications, the online content, as far as I know, the majority of them are doing it for free. Yeah. Like It's only the... And this is from talking to Pizzi, because Pizzi, when he goes away to these events, you don't see Pizzi. You see Pizzi at the... You'll see Pizzi when you're flying there, if you're flying on the same day as him. You see him when you're flying home. You'll see him at some of the media events that he needs to be there for his stories. And maybe he'll come out of his room for a bit of food in the evening. Because he locks himself in the room and he writes like a madman for like the Mirror Paper, uh, Fightland, for UFC Blog, for Severe, for the Daily Express as well this time. Pizzi will have four <coughs> or five people that are all paying him. And they're not the online publications that you see all of these hit pieces come out on. So... Take everything you read online with a pinch of salt and first of all wonder what the person's motive is for writing such an article like that and secondly don't go all out like do what Sean said send them a tweet say hey independent don't think this is a fair article maybe you should give at Sean Sheehan BA a chance at writing them instead. Yes do that yeah I encourage that yes do that but like as you said there most of these people there's a few people writing articles for few MMA people writing articles for you know these things usually ones that actually chase them down and say oh, yeah I want to write your article you're not 
like it's not always based on quality or whatever it's just basically based on who think they can get usually for free and if not it's based like oh there's no boxing this weekend go and write an article there on on mma or you know there's no soccer this weekend uh this you know saturday night you're on mma duty you get you know draw the, draw the straw straw as far as i know malik clerkin he's a he's a ga player he didn't do that bad of a job of it like in fairness and I might be thinking of someone else, but I think that's him. But usually it's like, you know, say like Colin Parkinson does it for Newstock. He was, he's a GEA player. He's kind of become a fan in the last six months, a year and stuff. And he like he does an OK job. But still, like when they had Algerman Sterling on, you know, he was trying to talk about un- the union and stuff. And it's just like you can't do it. MMA is very complicated. Like it's a very complicated thing. And uh, like even when I started, when I started writing about MMA, I was about four years ago, four or five years ago at this stage. I had only been hardcore watching MMA for like two and a half, three years. And I was like, I was, you know, I was very, very kind of, I wasn't confident to start off. And not that I wasn't confident, it was that I was like, okay, I obviously don't know about people who've been watching this for longer. Why, why would anyone read, write something that I read? So, like, I tried to keep it to, you know, bare minimum until I learned more. And then I started picking up more and more as I go, even though, like, I... Like if you're watching it for, say I've been watching, I've watched it about hard, hardcore about two years, but about like five years kind of on and off uh, before that. And even then, like I was still kind of, you know, I'm not sure about certain things. Uh, and it's, you know, it's obviously another four or five years since that now. But like these, some of these people, like they they don't watch him. They watch MMA when Conor McGregor's fine. Like they've, they've seen like four or five fights in their whole life and uh, they're writing about it. So look, why would you, you know, why would you even take them on board uh, a lot of time. Like just, you know, sometimes they can make good points, but, like, if you see something and you just know for a fact that it's, you know, bullshit, just ignore it. There's, you know, there's no need to get mad about it, no need to go spreading it around. Like, just, look, forget about it. And keep an open mind as well, because if someone does write something, you know, that's negative, but it makes sense, then take it on board. You know, this sport isn't perfect. Nobody, the fans aren't perfect. The journalists aren't perfect. You know, there's there's no there's no harm in um, you know, taking these things on board either. Excellently said, Sean. Now, uh, for for two men that claim we don't care about negative MMA opinion pieces, we've spent quite a bit of time on the podcast discussing them already today. So uh, we, I think it was fair enough to air it. You know, we don't we don't shy away. We'll talk about this stuff, and we'll happily have uh, an open call, Sean. What do you think? Will we any uh, any opinion piece writer maybe a little bit disgruntled? Yeah. Would hey, like to come anyone, on the podcast and chat? Yeah, we can do a special. We'll bring him on and we'll have a chat with him. No, I'll any time. No problem at all. I think that's a fair tweet them. If if there's anyone out there, if you see any articles and you're like, oh, these lads, like get them to come on the podcast. We'll shoot the breeze. We'll shoot the shit. We'll see how the crack is with them. Yeah, I'm up for that. No problem. Unless it's Ken Early, because he's yeah, a lot yeah, smarter no, than both of us put yeah, together. No way. I'm not going on so, with that. He's no. in Minsa, I think, isn't he? The what? So someone told me he was in Minsa. And um, what? You don't, do you know what Mensa is? Mensa. I'd well yeah. believe it. Like, first yeah, of all, smart. his curls are the most beautiful things that I've ever beautiful. seen in my life. And secondly, every time outside of, well, Ken, how are you? I feel after that, the, the conversation just are, we we're, we're at a level footing when we, int- when we say hello to each other. And then Ken starts to talk and he's up here and I'm down here. And it's just kind of like, it's from I'm- there on like. Is it is he too tall or is it he's too smart? Too, well, both. He's taller than me <laughs> and he's smarter than me. So yeah. we'll just I go thought, on with that. I, I was talking to him for about an hour after UFC Dublin there last time. Was, 
Sound man in fairness, real nice guy. We have something that we didn't really talk about last week, though, Sean. What's that? It was the number one uh, first question that was sent in from last week. No mention of Jones and Cormier's interaction at the press conference on the podcast last week. What did we think? Yeah. According to Gary Armstrong, he thinks Cormier embarrassed himself. You know, I'd have to, I'd have to agree. Graham is ringing me. Answer him. Put him on the podcast. Hello, Graham. How you're you're live on <laughs> What's the crack, on, Sean? You're live on the podcast right now. How are you? Uh, yeah, I'm good, I'm good. Yeah. yeah. Alright, let's get back to this one. No, don't we want to hear Graham, something? what's up? Andrew says what's up. No, I was just gonna ask you about that um email from earlier. Uh, oh yeah. Secrets of your business going oh. on. Oh yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah. Graham, what do you think? We were just talking about Ken Early. What do you think of Ken Early? Alright, so man. Yeah, so man. Nice guy, alright. Alright, so talk to you later. Bye. <laughs> oh, what a Graham. man He's gonna be That's great for all Now people know what his name is And what his voice sounds like yeah. He's fucked now fuck. Oh there'll be people Knocking his door in now In the next couple of days Now yeah. that there's little bits of intelligence Scooping out about him online <laughs> I can definitely get behind this um, Two pictures of him online as well I think uh, There's actually a couple in fairness, I've, uh, my Facebook memory the other day was a picture of me, Graham Pizzi, and Gus Ryan, and Niall McGrath uh, in Manchester, UFC two years ago. Um, or maybe it was London, one or the other. Anyway, who are we talking about? We are talking about Cormier, and to a lesser extent, maybe Luke Rockhold. Do you think the AKA guys maybe lost the run of themselves a little bit? I think Rockhold definitely less than Cormier, but Cormier, some of Cormier's stuff was, he was trying to convince the fans why they shouldn't be booing him. And why they should be booing Jones instead. And the Irish fans that were just there were like, they had absolutely no, no interest in Cormier. Like, all the fans there were just Jones centre completely. Apart from the media guy who was sitting behind me shouting, Fuck you, John Jones, are you high on <laughs> drugs right now? There was, was that, an, was, that the fuck was Bother thinking shouting that? I have no idea. They're, like, I'm surprised Mark Remiondi didn't faint and pass out from panic mm. attacks because of the actions of this media guy. He, uh, had a media credential on, was screaming throughout the press conference behind me, and the UFC were just looking at him. Like, literally just... It's, it's the weirdest thing ever how some people still get in over there. It's, it's hilarious. Yeah. But, like, to be screaming... Like, the conference goes quiet, and... Yay, yeah, Jones, are you, are you high on coke right now, dickhead? And then, like, Dana White's eyes, like, kind of glance towards where the voice is, and I just wanted to turn around and be like, it's this guy. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? It's not me. He's just sitting behind me. It's this guy. Scandalous. Yep. Anyway, Cormier Go did on. not come out of that smelling of roses. No. John Jones came out looking like a cool G. Jones was like, Jones went, went at it, didn't he? He's like, suck my fucking dick. Just like in the middle of the press conference. Like, whoa, Jones. Jesus. Easy now. But, you know, it. John Jones is one of those guys, isn't he? He's like... There's loads of reasons to hate him, but there's loads of reasons to love him. So he's a bit like Diego Costa, but not as bad, not as nasty as Diego Costa. Um, you know, you want to like, you can only hate him for so long until you love him again. You know, he's he just one of those characters, and he he's so good of a fighter that look, there's plenty of stuff to criticize him about, and you know that's fair enough. But that press conference, it was just. Magnificent, wasn't it? Carmia, Carmia from the very start when the, when all the was rattled. were shouting for justice, he was very rattled, and all the stuff he was saying, you know, it wasn't getting over at all. It wasn't hitting the home, 
and Jaws is kind of just laughing at him and then saying stuff that was getting home. So it was just like piling more and more. Like, you know, kind of John, it was like if it was a street fighter, <clears throat> Daniel Carmier's life would just be gone down and down and Jones would be gone up and up the whole time. And at the end, Carmier was just fucking finish him at the end. And Jones just like, Jones just took him. Took him easily. Then uh, hit the DX crotch chop. Yeah, he actually did, didn't he? Yeah, yeah, he did. That was the best part about it. Like he's, he's the anti-hero. Do you know? No matter what what way you want to look at John Jones, some of the like when he was pretending that he couldn't hear Cormier at the press conference, and then Cormier is like, "Did you or did you not say I'm the biggest pussy you've ever met?" And he's like, <laughs> "Oh no, you are the biggest pussy that I've ever met." <laughs> So it's like, it's a completely face John Jones that still will drop heel one-liners in there. So you're like, you're not really too sure whether you should be cheering him, whether you should be hating him. It's just, he, he's perfect. He's playing this perfectly. I think it's going to add much more tension, much more hype, much more drama to this fight. And without wanting to give a, an early prediction on it, because we got a question from someone later on about what do we think is going to happen. I think Jones is going to run through Cormier in devastating yeah. fashion. What did you think of the rest of that press conference? Like it was just the McGregor effect, wasn't it? It was, it was mad. Like Faber and Dominic Cruz were just onto each other the whole time. Faber is that was that was a bit like <laughs> was weird. Yeah, Cruz is a good shit talker. Mm-hmm. Some of the stuff that he says is good, and he does it in an analytical. I'm gonna break you down. Like when when TJ was like. I'm going to beat you. And Cruz is just like, how are you going to beat me? How I'm the least hit guy in the division. You won't be able to hit me. How are you going to beat me? It's kind of like, prove to me through reasoning how you're going to beat me, not just shit talk. But Faber was throwing a bit of shit talk. And in fairness, some of his defenses has been pretty good. It's like, oh, you haven't fought in like, nine. he said something stupid, like you haven't fought in like nine years. <laughs> like, Ah, Uriah, you're scraping the bottle of the barrel with that one. Or like, no, fi- no, sorry, no finishes in your last nine fights. Was that what it was? Something like that. Something along those lines. Nothing that stuck out overwhelmingly, but still, maybe Uriah Faber took a little bit of time, a few bit of lessons from Conor McGregor when they were filming Tough together. Yeah, they seemed to be best friends as well. That was hilarious, out the back, and it was like, oh, it could have been you. And Conor was like, you're lucky it wasn't you. (laughs) Uh, Great man, great man. Anyone else Uh, perk your interest? I know Wonderboy got a wee question towards the end. Wonderboy. Great man. Yeah, we got we got a few questions about that as well. I suppose we'll answer them later on. But um, will we talk about this weekend's card before we get onto the questions? I suppose. What do you think of it, Mark Hunt against Frank Mir? First of all, I'm still uh, still unsure on how I really feel about a fight. Like fights like these happening are the fights that maybe you would have much rather to see six or seven years ago when it right. could have actually been interesting. But I think this is actually a better time for the fight to happen for Mark Hunt now than six or seven years ago. Yeah. So it's from a Frank Mir point of view, he would have wished this fight happened a couple of years ago. From Mark Hunt's point of view, he can't wait to fight Frank Mir this Saturday because more than likely you're going to have to think there's going to be a finish in this fight coming from Mark Hunt's hands. Yeah, I agree. I was writing my preview there on Sunday morning. And I was just like, in Frank Mir a little bit underappreciated too. Like, in fairness, he's had some career in the UFC, held the UFC uh, heavyweight championship twice. Like. Fought the likes of Brock Lesnar twice, you know, yeah, twice. Big Nog fighting Mark Hunt now. Fought Arlovsky, you know, just a terrible fight. If I if I remember it right, his last fight, like Ian Freeman, Sean. How are you forgetting? Yeah, he. Oh yes, that was was that in London or somewhere? UFC thirty eight. Yeah, I think um, that was the one that John Kavanaugh was going to fight at. 
you know, yeah, I was you are in London, yeah. Like I don't know, like came back from almost getting killed off a motorbike, had to give up his UFC belt, won it back, you know. Didn't fought like fought Ryan Nelson, Mirko Krokop as well. Unbelievable career, and uh, I think he's a little bit underappreciated. But in this fight, remember he's, that fight against Todd Duffy? He was like, he talked about it afterwards how he kind of learned to roll with the punches for the first time in his career. And uh, you know, I think he'll need plenty of that on Saturday night against uh, against Mark Conton. Are you talking figuratively or literally being able to roll with a punch? I mean, literally roll with the punches, right. like Diaz style. Yeah, Diaz style, exactly. Yeah, and that the, I watched that fight again. That was hot fire. That fight. Remember, he knocked him out cold. It was like a fucking the, the video game. He uh, he just put his lights out. But um, I don't think he's going to be able to do that to Mark Hunt, and I don't think he's going to be able to take his power either. Like Frank Mir is probably going to want to play the long game here. You know, just keep away from Hunt for as long as he can. Try to entice him into hitting those big shots, but then get away from him. You know, tire him out. Maybe take it into the turn or fourth round. And then try to get him down. Like Frank Mir's wrestling isn't that good. He has good enough trips and stuff. He's good kind of transitions from the fence, you know, to get guys down. He'll even pull guard and on occasion. And you know, his jujitsu is unbelievable. If it hit the ground, I think, you know, he'd have a good chance of, of submitting Mir, even though or of submitting Hunt, even though he's made big uh, improvements in his jujitsu defense and his wrestling and stuff in the last few years. But I, you know, I don't think it'll go that far. If it goes, the longer it goes, the more chance I think Frank Muir has of dragging it to the ground and winning it. But you know, I'd be surprised if this one got out of you know, if it went past twelve minutes, maybe. I think it'll probably be over in the first round. Here is a little, uh, a little fact for you. What? In the last ten years of mixed martial arts, Frank Muir has only won four fights by submission. Is that true? Yeah. Jesus. He tapped Nogueira, he tapped Congo, he tapped Brock Lesnar and Anthony Hardonk. My God. So there you go. um... There is something that I would like, a lot of his submissions are early career wins. There is something that I'd like to see, and it's an opinion that I have on Frank Mir that may be completely wrong, and I'm getting this confused. Mike Bond would be the man to be able to answer this straight away. I'd like to know what Frank Mir's submission wins in the UFC have come from his weight the day before. Because in my head I have this idea that whenever Frank Mir was down... Because there's been times he's been down the lower side of 265. Yeah. At like 230s, 240s. And has got up to 265 as well. He seems to get the submissions when he's at a lighter weight. And I don't know if I'm plucking that out of nowhere. I don't know if I have that in my head. Or if I've read it before. Or heard someone say this before. But Frank Mir's jiu-jitsu in the last couple of years in the UFC in particular. Has been... It's not been a thing. He hasn't like. I wonder if his knees are shot, or if he's if he is badly injured. That he's just these heavyweight good grapplers that are coming into MMA just don't want to grapple. It's very very weird. Remember, uh, oh, John Olav. Yeah, Inamo. Inamo. When he signed yeah. to the UFC, like he's a massive grappling credentials. Like he did, he won an ADCC. He's a gold medal in ADCC. And I remember when he signed to the UFC. Pretty sure he didn't win a single fight. Yeah, and everyone was like, oh, this guy this guy could be good. This guy could be good. Got to show literally no grappling. Cut after two fights. Game over. Yeah, like Frank Mirazol, since he, since he fucked up Nogueira's arm that time, broke it off his shoulder, like he's fought, how many, seven times, lost five and had two knockouts in the first minute and a half. Like, 
how yeah you know, you know I, I see your point about not getting many submissions but in the heavyweight division it's kind of very hard and for him to have nine submissions in 18 wins that that's pretty good record i think um yeah and i i, I see your point all right it's heavyweight mma it's not easy to get submissions and i suppose that's why kind of frank Mir does stand out even though like if say if it was a flyweight with that record you wouldn't exactly call him a a submission whiz or anything but i think you know strength being able to yeah. strength out of techniques maybe there's yeah. a lot of lot of kind variables of, you're a little bit clutching with straws i think with frank Mir, you know you're looking for ways for him to win like i don't i don't think he will submit oh, yeah. him, but both, i like, don't but. but then at the same time to be fair to frank Mir. His level in the UFC at the moment should be be able to beat guys like Mark Hunt. We have these bad uh, these bad thoughts of Frank Mir from the last couple of years, but you have to remember he lost four in a row, <laughs> but probably to four of the hardest fights that he possibly could have taken in the heavyweight division at that time. He lost to the Santos, he lost to Cormier, he lost to Barnett, and he lost to Overeem one after the other. Yeah. It's like if you were to place like top heavyweights, like top six heavyweights. A lot of those guys are going to be in the list, and so is Frank Mir. You know, it's just unfortunate that he is the guy who can't beat any of those guys. Yeah. What's your What are your thoughts on Mark Hunt? Mark Hunt is a, little, a, a bit of a member of Team She in here, so I'm a little bit. I'm, I've always been a big, uh, big Mark Hunt believer. Big what? Hunt fan. Yeah, big Hunt fan. I uh, I was the guy who, when he got signed to the UFC or when he was given his fights in the UFC because of his pride contract, I was chuffed. I was like, yeah. Here's a class, class guy with a ridiculous record signed to the UFC. It's going to be fun to watch and see what happens. And then he's been a completely different person. Mm-hmm. It's crazy. You can see why he's got the fans on his side. The, uh, he fought for the title, didn't he? Yeah, interim title against Verdun. He fought for the inter- yeah, it was the interim title. But what was up with that fight? Was it at a ridiculous sea level? Altitude, yeah, and he Al- cut a shitload of weight. altitude, and he, he cut a lot winning. of weight short notice, didn't he? Because I remember he put, like, this could be Mark Hunt's second run towards the title. I know everyone thought the first run was going to be ridiculous, but this run in particular could be the one that actually matters for him because he had all of these, he was injured going into the fight. He cut the cut so much weight on short notice at such a high altitude. As you say, he was he won the first, didn't he drop Verdum in the first round? Uh, I don't know if he dropped I him, don't know why was, I have it in my head anyway. that he dropped Verdum in the first round because yeah. he put up a video the other day on his Facebook page where it was shared and it was I don't know if it was him because it seems like him Soa Pileli and a load of other UFC fighters have sold their Facebook accounts and yeah. they're just like spam videos going so, out so all the time Soa so Pileli's is like that's a, a genius PR marketing guy behind all of that anyway um, but Mark Hunt if he gets a proper run together like two or three Three wins, wins this and another one. He's in a shot for a title con- contention because featherweight or heavyweight is a tough sell at the moment. And unless sea level Cain Velasquez actually is a thing, an uninjured sea level Cain Velasquez actually is a thing, I'd have to think that Mark Hunt could topple Verdum in a in a rematch. Well, I don't know. Even It'd be though, some crack. Even though I'm not, people will slate me for this, but I think that Verdum knee KO was was a bit of a lucky shot, to be honest. And people hate when I say that, but I, I like Hunt was winning that fight, and I, you know, Verdum was kind of playing possum a little bit at times as well. But you know, if, if the he man has made a career knee, off playing possum, Sean, I think he could have been, you know, Mark Hunt could have been the champion. But we'll, uh, I don't, I don't think he'll Hunt will get back to the title. To be honest, I think there's too many, too many good athletic guys who will kind of, you know, 
I'll, I'll pace him over a three round fight um, and kind of run away from him and kind of just jab him and uh, be faster and more athletic than him but uh, I don't think that'll be the case on, uh, on Saturday I think he'll probably knock out Hunt or there's a much else in that card apart from uh, Hector Lombard comes back from his uh, his sabbatical to fucking why was he on a clo- sabbatical? Closed, uh, closing down his juice bar I think that was it um Hey. He he's back now against Neil Magny. This you know this is a fight. Like looking at it straight away, first impressions. Okay, Hector Lombard should win this easily. But Neil Magny is one of those guys. You know you can never rule out. The only the only guy who's whooped him really is is uh, Damian Maya, and he came in. I think he came into that fight with uh, with staff infection and stuff. So uh, I I pick Lombard to win this. But how is Lambert going to look if he's, you know, he failed a drug test in his last Obviously, the strain fight, so. of, the, the emotional strain of having to close down a juicing business like that, mm-hmm. like a store, obviously would have put increased financial stress on his life and maybe just his personal life in general. So he could be looking drained, maybe yeah. a bit uh, flabby in this. Because as you know, when you lose a business like that, it can take a big effect on you. So mm-hmm. I think maybe we could see a little bit of a, a bad performance from him because of uh, because of those effects, possibly yeah, he could be a little bit run down because of all the stress. Maybe he needs more anti yeah. antioxidants in his yeah. uh, in his body. You know, hopefully he's uh, he's on the right supplements for this uh, for this fight to uh, to to bring back up his. Uh, Come here, is the world leverage. really so fucked? Maria Sharapova failed the drug test. Like, uh, yeah, that's yeah. like that's like finding out. I don't know. I'm trying to think of a reference. Santa Claus is no, real. I was I was gonna go down that road, but I thought mm. I like I figured that's what people are gonna go to. It's it's heartbreaking. Why do you like her that much? She's beautiful. <laughs> yeah, she's not Eugenie Bouchard. I've no idea who that is, but oh. her her defense was that she's been taking that supplement since like 2008. <laughs> yeah, you're you only supposed to for six weeks. She was just like, oh, I've been taking this forever, guys. Like, you know the worst thing about it? What? It, it went illegal on January 1st, I believe, or the turn of the year anyway. It went what? Um, it went legal. Illegal. Illegal. It went on the WADA bandits or yeah, whatever it is. And she didn't check the new list. Yeah, but do you know how many people have failed for it since then? How many, Sean? In tennis. Have a guess, in tennis. One. No. 50. 99. What? 99 people have failed for that drug, the exact drug she was so on. So then maybe it's not a performance enhancer, is it? Is it well, a recovery thing? It was legal. And it was fair enough. Everyone takes it, but like, why is it? Uh, why why are they just making something illegal that they had previously determined not to be illegal? Uh, that happens a lot. They put these things on the on the band list that uh, haven't been there before. Scandalous. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Right. Enough about that. Uh, talk a quick prediction here for the Hector Lombard fight. He's Pain. a unit. He's big, muscly man. Follows me on Twitter. Follow Sean on Twitter. But this weekend, we may see a completely different version of himself. That being said, I don't think Neil Magny is the type of guy that's going to be able to capitalize on a different Hector Lombard showing up. Maybe I'm wrong. What do you think? Yeah, I agree. I always pick against Neil Magny anyway. Um, <laughs> and that's it. Good luck. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, I think... Look, I think Lombard will be able to get inside him. The thing about um, Magni is it's hard to get inside him a lot of the time uh, with, with his big long reach, and he, yeah, he's a good wrestler as well. But I think Magni, oh. or I think, uh, <laughs> I think Lombard will get inside. Could see him landing a lot of body shots, you know, hurting him, 
you know, getting inside, landing an overhand, hurting him to the chin and putting him down, knocking him out. So I think uh, I think it'll be an early knockout. Come here. Quick question yeah. for you. Yeah. Donald Trump's a mad cunt, isn't he? He is a he's a mad joke. I'm pure into this whole Donald Trump American thing. Not into Donald Trump, but I'm into the whole race and all. It's mad. American it is like some of the videos. I'm convinced this is a movie. Do you know this is not real life? Some of the scenes that you see at these Trump rallies are so far removed from what should be happening in the world in the world in 2016. Is scandalous. You see, the black guy got hit, and then he got arrested and dragged out of the place. Yeah, like I met like Bernie Sanders. He seems to be the top dog from my from my from my looking at everyone's policies and what sort of a laugh they're looking to have when they get into the White House. Like Bernie Sanders just seems like the, he looks like the Monopoly man first of all, so I'm automatically inclined to side and favor with him. But he's a. Uh, is he the lesser of four evils? Sure. I had a great conversation on the plane to Vegas with this man, and he was telling me that he's been a Republican his whole life, and he will not vote for Trump or Cruz because the two of them are absolute idiots. Yeah, they are. And yeah. he didn't use the word idiots. He used a word that rhymes with. I can't think of a word that, a word that rhymes with the word that I'm thinking of. It begins with an or. Okay, I get you. Yeah. Uh, I think Marco Rubio is actually the best guy, even though he's a Republican. All Republicans are a bit insane. But he seems like the most normal guy, even though like some of his policies are fucking insane and like all the, the Republicans are. Um, the Democrats aren't much better. Like Hillary is, Hillary is mad as well. You know, Bernie Sanders is okay, but I think he's a bit, you know, a lot of his, you know, a lot of his stuff is a bit mad also. It's America, like you... It's just varying degrees of insane, let, let's be honest. But Donald Trump is fucking uh, the god of insanity. <laughs> this, he's, like it, uh, Part of me hopes he gets the, the Republican um, nomination just so this can keep going on for another year. Because, oh, it, it needs to go on. Like It needs to go on. It's so fun. Like it, It's just brilliant. Um, yeah, but he's mad. I, like, I think Hillary will probably be president. I think... Uh, and I think that's probably their only option. Freemason, Sean. Definitely. That's yeah. all it is. Controlling the world. Will we, uh, will we get onto the questions and keep our other topic for next week? Because, yeah, because you know, There's only one fight card, this Hunt and Mir one, for the next five weeks. UFC-wise? Yeah. Why? What the fuck are we going to talk about for the next five weeks? I have no idea. Are we yeah. going to have to actually think of things to talk about? Yeah. That's pretty shit. Yeah, it is, isn't it? We might have to do like a full non-MMA podcast. I'm okay with that. Yeah, me if too. If the public are okay with that, yeah. I am completely all right with that. Yeah, we should pick Tell one us. day, one of the weeks, and just do all non-MMA. And just talk about life. Yeah. A bit of crack. Crack August Kjol. Get Graham on. Do it as well. But Graham only talks about MMA, so. But if the people demand it. If, if the people like actually. If 20 tweets, he'll have to come on. Yeah. Well, 20 isn't that much considering we have a couple of thousand people that listen every week. But still, we'll, 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 we'll argue that it's the majority and that Graham will have to come on to the podcast. Yeah. Tweet him at Sever Emma. At Sever Emma on Twitter. Yeah. Um, right. We may as well copy Drake or whatever artist sung it and start from the bottom before we get here to the top. It don't mean nothing to y'all, but understand nothing was done for me. Is that the words? No. 
Is it? No, that song started from the bottom. Now we're here. Oh yeah, I know that. Started from the bottom. Now my whole crew fucking here. Do you know what's a great song? Um, do you know that G6 song? Like a G6, like yeah. a G6. I have a... I'm DJing this Wednesday night, Sean, the night before Paddy's night. I am playing it. I always play it, except I play a remix of it. Chung. I play a, a Dead Mouse remix of it. Oh, yeah. Do you know, uh, you know Dead Mouse? Do you? I, I'm, I've heard of him, yeah. Like a G6. Dead. <laughs> anyway, first question of the podcast. There was one from Jack Dak, Dak Georges. Jack Georges is all from last week. Remember? Have you ever not tapped out from a talk? I think that was him. Yes. Did he send it on a DM? Yeah. I'll just that was in, a question. I go into our have DM. You ever, have you ever not tapped out from a talk? Oh, was it? How come you didn't respond to uh, Alex Sexy Fuckers? Yeah. DM. <laughs> we get loads of him. Yeah. Hello. What are you doing? Will you see my nude webcam show? This is truly <laughs> actual, one hundred percent free webcam. How come you didn't watch this, Sean? Jordan I, Holloway how, how seems you, legit. How do you know I didn't? Very true. How was it? <laughs> Lacked story, but... There's a reason I need a new computer. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, here we go. Uh, winning... Hi, chaps. Be great to hear your insight on winning and losing in combat sports. Sean, as a footy fan, knows even the mighty Leicester lose from time to time. I feel if attitudes change to fall in line with Connors we as the fans will get more exciting matchups as opposed to fighters trying to preserve their records or winning streaks. Yeah, see, it's tough because... Would you... Oh, sorry. It was kind of a, 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 a go on. Would you like to see more fights between competitors at their natural walking weight? I enjoyed not having any distractions, excuses, issues regarding cutting weight or problems rehydrating. I noted that Thatch looked a lot more drawn out in this fight compared to how full he looked against Benson. Yeah. Uh, but Thatch would have been at 170 regardless, wouldn't he? No, yeah, but he would. But uh, yeah, I don't know. It's it's a difficult one. The thing about people losing, you know, I said that last week, and it, 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 it there is a bit from fans, there's a, from a fans' perspective, that like we don't mind. Like I think Alex Gustafson never lost anything from losing. For the fans, I think he, he was made a bigger star from the two fights he lost in the fans' eyes. But for them personally. I think it still matters. Like, you know, it's all about winning and losing for them and for, for the promoters as well. Like, you know, even though it's a li- little bit less for the promoters, obviously, because Gustafson got put back into the title shot, even though he had lost. So there's a little bit of that. But um, for the fighters themselves, I think no. But there's a little bit of a renaissance, all right, of enjoying fights and not getting caught up in the results. Um, and I hope that continues because it makes for, you know, it makes for better fights. It makes for better for a better sport all around I think really exactly. uh, but it, it you know it's that's only at the top level of the sport really because guys who are like you know three you're and not, one in yeah, the you're UFC you're not going to have good crack when amateur fight. Irish fighters do it like yeah exactly but I still think they should be doing it Tommy Martin revolutionised that a little bit in Irish MMA just going around wanting to fight boys at a weight class heavier just because it would take he doesn't like weight cutting and I think in amateur especially these are the times that you should take the fight a couple of weight divisions higher than what you're actually fighting at just to go out and experience it. Yeah, see, the problem as well with that is you need to have experience that it at like a local level before it goes to a higher level. Like, Redzer, when he went into the UFC, went in at featherweight. So, like, he probably should have had a few fights. At, not, not exactly him, but say a guy like him should have probably had a few fights 
out, you know, in cage wires or in Bama or whatever at Featherweight before they went into the UFC at yeah. Featherweight. Or say if a guy wants to fight at light heavyweight and he's been fighting at heavyweight, he should, you know, have a few fights. At, he must, he should have to make the weight a few times before uh, he goes on. And it's probably the same going for amateur, say, to pro, to go into, you know, to the local shows. And then uh, one for me. Have you ever not tapped from a choke? Talk about the difference between chokes and when to tap. Surely there's a difference between going to sleep and having your windpipe crushed. You tapped that. You tapped the time I choked. Do you remember that? Yeah, I do. I've um, I've not tapped to chokes in tournaments before. I have gone to sleep at the Europeans. I went to sleep with a bow and arrow choke my first time I went there, and I think someone put me out in Ireland, but I'm not too sure. It may have only been once, but I I've seen people go out, and in jujitsu anyway. If someone's going out, they're going out from a blood choke. They're not going out from a rear naked choke or a guillotine that attacks the windpipe that can be a sore choke. They're going out to something like a bow and arrow or an Ezekiel choke where the arteries in your neck are the ones, like it's the blood being cut off to your, to your brain. It's not, the, it's not you getting your throat crushed and not being able to breathe like <sighs> through your mouth anymore. It's literally when there's no oxygen going to your brain and you go out and you think you're okay and you think you're okay and you think you're okay. And then your legs are up in the air and you're being woken up by the referee and the other guy's celebrating. So, um, Ezekiel Chalk is my favourite chalk. It's one of my favourite chokes as well. I'm a big, big fan of it. And, you remember uh, uh, Chris very Weidman. effective. Chris Weidman earlier, Ezekiel Chalk, Anderson, Sylvander, second fight. Did he? Yeah. Remember when he knocked him down in the clinch and as Anderson Silva hit the ground, he tried to Ezekiel Chalk him. I think he tried to catch his own glove. It's a, it's a mad joke. Like, has there ever been one? There probably has been one in MMA, but I don't remember one in the UFC in the last few years. Anyway. I've seen them in Nogi. They, they can happen Nogi, so I've, yeah. I'd be excited to see if there's been one in the UFC. My favorite way of hitting it is when you're passing someone's guard and you're faking a head and arm choke. Oh, yeah. And then you can just put your hand into your collar and instead of going for the hand into your sleeve and then instead of going for the head and arm choke, just put the other hand across his neck. It's yeah. just, it's beautiful. It's really a gi choke, though, isn't it? Oh, it's More most though. effective in a gi. Yeah. You know, it's it's... It's bulletproof if you can get it and someone like mount someone and Ezekiel choke them like mm-hmm. it's absolutely uh, brilliant. Um, qu- next question from John Harker, friend of the podcast. This friend edge. of the podcast, yeah, the man has so many questions. Jason David Frank, Green White Power Ranger, and Lizaru, ninety-eight World Cup winning left back now. Um, Lizaru isn't an MMA fighter, is he? Is he? I thought he no, was. No, he's a European champion in jiu-jitsu. He won the Euros in like oh, 2006 yeah. at Blue Belt. He's been doing jiu-jitsu for a while. I'd say he's brown belt now. Any other weird sporting converts into MMA? When are we going to have the first GAA county player fighting MMA? I believe there's a GAA player that's on that cast, John Cavanaugh's thing, the, rea- the show, Wimp to Warrior, that they're doing he, um, at SVG. Kieran McGinney trends with... Uh, SPG doesn't he yeah he's he's been up with us a bit recently as well because he's back home he's been up on a Wednesday night he's a purple belt he's a beast madman oh he's an absolute psychopath he's so good at jiu-jitsu like I would not want to not want to get on his bad side at all do you remember Jerry Flannery was on about doing it there once said there's someone I'm thinking of Carl Bindred said rugby no we'll have to leave it if anyone knows them anyone any high convert either jiu-jitsu, MMA practitioners, your man from Geordie Shore. I knew I had to make fun of oh, Bama yeah. somewhere today. Are they letting a, Ger- a Geordie Shore guy fight? I don't know. I didn't read that. Me uh, neither. 
Okay, we let you off this week, Bama. Here's, here's but if, I, if I read that article before next week and I find out they're letting a Jordy Shore cast member fight on one of their shows, oh, someone. What about your man Gaz Wallace? Do you know him from Waterford? He was on a, he was on a that show. He battle zone. Yeah, but he was on the TV show. Oh, <sighs> the one where they go to eat food in their houses. Uh, come dine with me. Uh, yeah, come dine with me. Yeah, that's Bridget. it. Yeah, man, Paddy O'Brien as well. The hurdles for Limerick. He's a big, uh, big MMA fan, so he might do it in the future. Actually, no, he shouldn't. He just stay hurling because he's too good. Don't, don't go playing that. Don't go doing that stupid MMA stuff. A question from Ronan One Duffy, another friend of the podcast. Unfortunately, he was not a. Uh, well, where's Mister Podge? He wasn't first question this week. I don't think he sent us one. So next question is from Scruffy Duffy himself, Ronan Duffy. Um, yeah, let me get it up here. Did you see it? Who was it about? If Justin Gaethje. Did I say that right, Sean? You did, you said it right. Excellent. If he ever signed with the UFC, how would he fare? He looked pretty impressive at the weekend. He won at the weekend, for those that didn't see, stopping his opponent with leg kicks. TKO due to leg kicks. Channeling his inner Chris <laughs> Fields here, ladies and gentlemen. Yep. I'd... What do you reckon, Sean? Big fish, small <sighs> pond, World Series of Fighting. Ridiculous purses. Ridiculous matchups. What do you think? Ali Abdelaziz's finest. Um, a lot of finishes. Yeah, sixteen and all. I think he'd be good in the UFC. Um, I think he's fighting a lightweight at the moment, but I think he could fight a fight at a featherweight as well. I am he's... nearly sure that he's fought at featherweight before. For yeah, some reason, it's in my head that he's made one forty-five. He fought Nick Noon. He fought Melvin Gillard at, at lightweight. So I think that's where he. But I'd say he could drop down. He's you know he's a at the weekend even you know he's not the biggest featherweight in the world, but or not the biggest lightweight in the world. So I think he could probably move around. But I think. He's one of those action fighters, you know, we spoke about Eric Silva last week and, and Thomas Almeida, that, um, I know he's 16 and all, but when you come up against better competition, I think he's not, he, you know, he's going to give up a few fights, but that doesn't mean to say he won't do pretty well, I think he actually would do pretty well in the UFC, I think he'd definitely be, you know, top top 10, top 15 lightweight at, at the moment. And with Sign him and match him with Anthony fighter. Pettis. Hashtag would watch. Uh, I was actually watching uh, Barboza against Tony Ferguson there during the week. What? Uh-huh. Oh my god! And Barboza is fighting Pettis next. My beautiful. God. Can't wait. That and Rory Mack against uh, Wonderboy. Which is our next question? Oh, from Marco Curran. Currens and raisins on Twitter. Do you think that Wonderboy versus Rory is the best matchup for both fighters, or would you rather see them fight different PPL? I'd rather see them fight different people, to be honest. But it's a great fight. Different PPL. <laughs> yeah. Um, like, who's going to fight Robbie Lawler for the title now? Is it going to be? Is Obviously, it gonna be it's Tyrone Woodley? Woodley. Yeah, of God, course it's Tyrone wants Woodley. To see that. Or Nobody no, wants that to see guy Nate Diaz, who beat a one forty-five or one seventy, is going to get the next title. I uh, know. Uh, maybe. Maybe, but I could do. Or um, someone's coming back. Who knows? GSP, yeah, that that makes sense. The way but, that they're setting it up is that it's either going to be an out of field shot, or Tyrone Woodley actually is getting a title shot. It's really the, weird. Or Carlos Condit's getting a rematch. Who knows? That'd be okay. That'd be. Okay. I'd be okay with like, that. I can live with that. Robbie Lawler versus Tyrone Woodley is not a UFC 200 fight. That's a UFC 201 fight. You know? Yeah, that's a UFC <laughs> Fight Night Curitiba Brazil fight. <laughs> That's a UFC fight, 202.5 type of fight, you know. Uh, UFC kinda, light. 
get it over with and give it over and done with. That's the like, game that that's the that's the that's the sort of matchup that when you play your like you're playing your cousin who's never played the UFC game before and you let him be Robbie Lawler and you pick a crap fighter so yeah. that he'll have it'll be a fun challenge for you to try beat him. Yeah, it's like me when I play Patrick in FIFA, he can be Real Madrid and I'm like Limerick. Cork, Cork City or Limerick. Cork. Yeah, and I still beat him. But yeah, <sighs> that, that Rory Mack fight, I think Wanderbush should probably be fighting for a title. Uh, and, you know, <laughs> shocker. Shocker there. But I think he did enough in, in his last fight beating Johnny Hendricks, former champion. Uh, Johnny Hendricks, like, <laughs> number one contender. I know he pulled out of that fight with Tyron Woodley and stuff, but, you know... Wonder by won that fight, and Tyron Woodley hasn't. Like, Ty- Ty- I'm sure Tyron Woodley could have gotten a fight. Why, like, Johnny Hendricks missed the way, and he came back, went to another camp, got another fight, and fought Wonder by. And Tyron Woodley still hasn't fought. What, like, what's that about? Why, why isn't he fighting? Like, he could have fought two weeks ago and won that fight, and still have been able to fight in UFC 200. So, like, come on, F- fight someone. I don't think he deserves it to be honest. Spoofer, yeah, spoofer. Give it's the a man who knows that he has way. a good thing going and he doesn't want to risk it. How many sh- times have we seen fighters just think that they're getting a title shot and be like, yeah, this is fine. Yeah. Idiots. Anyway, JF Murphy, JF Murphy 6 on Twitter. With Jeremy Botter announcing his imminent departure. Ah, oh, Owen Colgan just accepted my friend request on Facebook. Nice. Sound man. Nice guy. Can you explain how the severe MMA Botter love affair came about? I think you are the cause for it. Yeah, that was me, I'd say. Yeah, I remember I... Sean I used to stalk Potter. his tweets. I used to stalk his tweets. Reply to him. I was a great man back in the day for, like, starting the conversations with lads, and then they followed me, and then we kind of became friends after. Yeah, that's how Sean Sheehan's built himself. Yeah, and I, I remember actually before that, on uh, Crookland's uh, uh, podcast, she used to have, like... It used to be live, and it used to be, like, a live chat. Um... It was Tap Out Radio, but I think it was even before Tap Out Radio. Um, and Bother used to go in there um, as well. And anyway, I like we used to get talking to him there and stuff. And uh, loads of people used to go in there. Like Michael Bisping used to be in there sometimes. Uh, Loretta Hunt to be in there. Like loads of fighters used to go in there. Um, like and there were, like six people in the chat. That's how I got to know Tommy Dowald as well. He was always being there. And that's kind of where I started getting to know Bother and then Twitter and stuff, talking about soccer and things like that. So yeah. That was it. My uh, my mates are playing at Sea Sessions. It was just announced. Yeah, what's that? It's a festival. Somewhere, I think in Donegal. Yeah, Donegal, Bundoran Beach. Remember the on the beach? The, oh, that'd be okay. The boys that had that uh, song, all the boys on the false course. Oh yeah, you were yeah, saying that. That's uh, they're playing at uh, Sea Sessions. There you yes. go. On the twenty fifth of June, may have to go. Oh, I won't be able to. I'll be in America. I understand. People, people. Going to a field, standing in shit. Look, do thing. not festivals are the best S- thing ever. Do not even bother starting like sleeping in a tent. No, this, we know how we're starting the podcast next week. Anyway, my opinion piece on why Sean Sheehan's a dickhead. I went to see, do you know, I went to see Eminem in uh, Punchestown, and it was great because it was only there for one day. But I've never seen a mass of people like that in my whole life. Yeah, I think we've put like. I think we're coming in, we're going to start talking about stretches in the evenings then. This podcast is just an <laughs> infinite loop. Like, the year may change, well, we but we just talk about the same things every... Yeah, we uh, spoke about this concert before. <laughs> it's just an infinite loop of things that have happened. Uh, yeah. 14th of March next year, we'll be recording this podcast, and you'll be like, Jesus, I remember I saw Eminem, right? Remember that time Conor McGregor fought Nate Diaz? Remember yeah. 
Ah, Jesus, what about the media bastards? Jeez. So that's pretty much it. Sean became friends with him online. We met him at events. We're going to meet him in Dublin now in a few weeks' time when he comes over for a wee trip. Uh, yeah, as well. Fair play to him on his new job. He's uh, yeah, he's weird on managing editor now. Managing editor of Flow Sports. Flow Sports. And I think he's going to be over Flow Combat, Flow Grappling, maybe Flow Wrestling. I don't know. Definitely over Flow Combat anyway. Congratulations to our good friend Botter. Big Hopefully. man, Jeremy. At least now we won't have to get him on the, the uh, things anymore. Oh, no, we will. I, 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 I As I tweeted, if he thinks him leaving Bleacher Report means that he's not going to be doing them, he's in for a rude rude awakening. We'll have to, we'll have to uh, interview for replacements. Who do you think? Who would be a good replacement now for Botter if he can come on? Your boy Jordan Breen, you're always wanting to get Jordan Breen on, aren't you? I'm looking never to, looking to get Jordan Breen on. Love a bit of Jordan Breen. You know? He's a great man. Myself, I want Patrick Wyman on. He's the best. Patrick Wyman would make me feel stupid. Yeah. Patrick yeah. Wyman makes everyone feel stupid. He's great. Though. He's I think uh, for, you know, keeping up with the good looking appearance of myself, then maybe Brett Okamoto. Probably yeah. the next best, uh, best See that's chance. an app I sent you there yesterday You were on fucking The Voice of Ireland I was on night. Well I yeah. didn't want people To know about it Sean But I off, yeah. I also saw Ant and Deck Where one of them Was wearing a red check shirt The oh, other sure. night as well So it's taken off I need my own line My own brand You do yeah Um. Next question Did the PSNI Take Andrew McGann's Hoodie and wallet No they did not uh, <laughs> David Nutty Nutty one David Wants to know How badly do you want to see Conor McGregor throw a left hook to a TMZ reporter? Jeez, I was watching Is that, that the morning. same guy? Is that the I don't, same I don't guy? Think so. I think it might be. Maybe. America's a weird country, isn't it? It's the second time we said it in the podcast. Imagine that, like, just, you can't walk down the street and some guy following Yo, you. Yo, Conor, and the way they act like they're your friend. Yeah. He's like that, hey, remember, remember that MMA reporter guy, Paulie G? Yo, I'm here with the beautiful Cats and Gano. Oh, Yo, yeah. Yo, Cat, oh, you God, was hot God. as hell, Malma. <sighs> Like, that guy is absolutely scandalous. Oh, it's so funny. Yeah. Oh, Jesus. So, while I don't think Connor will, I do think that he can never... Like, first of all, how are these TMZ people... Like, where they got him the last time was backstage. So, are the UFC letting TMZ cover? Do you think a yeah. lot of these are set up? Oh, they are, yeah, definitely, 100%. It's a bit weird. Um, and when is Andrew McGatton when Andrew McGatton gets a new shirt what colour will it be will I ruin the surprise Sean yeah go on you got a new one did you I'm buying a red and yellow one I'm going to be called the bumblebee <laughs> no black and yellow sorry black and yellow yeah, yeah black, and, black and yellow check called the bumblebee um, so I like that Keen O'Connell there's only 121 would like to know What's your ideal but realistic UFC 200 lineup? Are three title fights unrealistic and does McGregor headline? I think there will be three title shots, three title fights. And I think McGregor will headline against uh, Edgar. Or Aldo, no, actually, I think it'll be Aldo, but I hope it's Edgar. Me too. I think actually, I, if it's Aldo, I might headline. That's what I was thinking. Like, But I can see Connor, like UFC 196, the UFC sent out an email about it. It's trending to be their biggest pay-per-view ever. You know, yeah. and there's a lot of big positive figures coming from behind that fight. Connor's loss doesn't mean people aren't not going to tune into the next one. If anything, they're going to be more intrigued to see his next fight. So I think no matter who it's against, it's probably going to be UFC 200 will be the biggest UFC event ever. Uh, it'll surpass 100's pay per view records. They'll throw the kitchen sick sink at the promotion of this in terms of trying to get it out there. But um, the only fight I could see not 
having Conor McGregor ahead of, if that makes sense. The only fight that will get main billing ahead of Conor McGregor is if, God OCK. forbid, something happens. No way. If something happens, John Jones, Daniel Cormier, mm. I, and they have to move it to 200, I could see that being the headline and Conor being the co-headline. But Conor against Rousey, I think Conor will main event. Conor against Rousey? Oh, yeah. I don't think so. I think Ro- Here's what I think it'll be. Now. I think it'll be Rousey Tate, the main event. I think McGregor Aldo But be the do we want event. to see that? Like, is this yeah, Ronda jumping yeah. back in because uh, yeah, she but... thinks it's an easier fight? Yeah, it, it certainly is if she is because she wasn't coming back until November before that. So, yeah. Um, I hoped against hope that Jones versus Rumble will be on that card. Just God, John really Jones hope. wanting to get straight back in. Yeah. Maybe that's the way for that. Oh, God, I hope. That's, that's the fight I want, like. Jesus. That would be that sweet. Is, if John Jones beats Rumble Johnson and after Carmi, obviously, there isn't even a debate about who's the greatest fighter of all time. Is there? I don't think so, anyway. I'm not too sure. I think that could be the greatest event ever. Yeah. Unbelievable. There you go. Kill Your Idol 666. It's been a while, my friend. We were hoping that you'd... Uh, oh, well, I was worried that you'd stopped listening to the podcast. What colour are your auras and or crystals? Whatever that means, Sean. I, I'd go... I'd say mine is... Uh, navy. Do you want to know... I had black, a moment obviously, and red anyway. I had what? a moment the other night that kind of made me realize that I may be a bit of a psychotic freak. Yeah, only only the other night? Yeah, well, so once we got rid of the body, it was kind of like it was pretty no. I was at Topaz after work, right? Yeah. A, a convenience store. A convenience store gas. that sells goods. Petroleum. Petroleum liquids. So I was up at the little window talking to Stephen, the Chinese fellow that works there. Grey crack. Very yeah. efficient worker, runs around the store for you. None of this, I'm here at half five in the morning, so I'm tired, I'm going to run slow, like Mace on the Castletown Road does. But anyway. <laughs> fuck Mace on the Castletown <laughs> Road. Fuck Mace on the Castletown Road, basically, yeah. Get better staff at night. I had an immense feeling of satisfaction when your man came back with a Kinder Bueno, a can of Coke, and a can of Chili Heatwave Doritos, because I was wearing a red hoodie as well. And ever since then, I've always noticed that the orders, that when I'm in the mood for something, like, I will get a packet of green hunky-dory crisps and a can of 7-Up and feel the happiest man in the world because they're both green. I have a great story for you. And a can of Pepsi and a packet of blue crunchy M&Ms. That just sets me off, like. Want to hear a great story? Yes. I was at a concert in Dublin before. M&M, was it? <laughs> I don't think it was. M- oh, what is it? I don't know, it could, it, was one, it could have been actually. And on the way home, the only 24-hour place was in Limerick the whole way down from like Dublin. Oh. To, <laughs> so we stopped there, right? And there was like a lot of buses, you know, going to the concert. It was, it was a big concert, whatever it is anyway. So there was like buses in, in front of us and there was like a line, as you say, the same as that guy, like one guy at the window and everyone has to line up and he'll bring you your stuff. And the guy in front of us, he like he came out of his bus. He had no top on. He had like a bandana on, right? And he goes up to the window and he's like, uh, can I have um, one orange? Um, can I have a packet of fire lighters? Uh, can I have a bottle of Jif? Can I have a packet of hunky dories? And give me uh, two liters of milk. <laughs> like five o'clock in the morning. You he see, that's, that's why these stores are the best. Like, what the fuck? I've ordered, I, do you know what my favourite thing to do is after work? Get a, bo- uh, a box of Cocoa Pops out of that place and have a oh bowl yeah. of Cocoa Pops before bed. Or fire lighters, like it. So you actually order fire lighters. Like, what the fuck? Brilliant. Where was that man going? 
Um, next question. Oh, well, Nicola Sheehan <laughs> conveniently Legend. asked, what's our favourite cereal? Mm. So, Cocoa Pops for me. What about you, Sean? Uh, Wheatos. Ah, did we have a Wheatos discussion recently? I think so. I had Wheatos very recently as well. They're lovely. Beautiful. I am a big fan of Sugar Puffs, Special K, any sort of brand-related uh, I, I, I rarely eat cereal. Oh, no, I'm a big cereal, cereal fan. Porridges, Ready Brex, Weetabixes. Oh, I love a bit of Ready Brex. <sighs> Oh. Sugar, how many spoons of sugar do you put Just half a spoon of sugar over the top. I, I need about seven spoons of sugar. Oh, no. Not seven, but like at least one and a half, two. Oh. Yeah, have to have a bit of sugar. Um, With Cormier, Cruz, and Joanna all in those cards and tough finals, it will be. Oh, no. These are. People are talking to us. Sean, Jamie McDermott wants to know any tips for Cheltenham? <laughs> um, Barker's Hill. That's, that's my tip for Cheltenham. Who's that? He's a horse. If she's the fastest <laughs> is running, back her. She's a cert. Or never beaten. She yeah. always wins. Uh, I think, uh, watch your as well. Corey Tootle would like to know, can we get a Mike Goldberg play-by-play on the heartbreak at the Teenage Disco? Well, let me set the scene for you, Sean. Last Friday night, I was working at the Teenage Disco. My first one in a while, because I refuse to work at them if I think my sister's going to be there. So... That must be awkward. Jesus. What? That must be awkward. It's even more awkward if you keep talking about it. <laughs> we talked about it before. Yeah, it? so that's why I'm saying shut yeah. your fucking mouth. <laughs> anyway, let me set the scene. Go on. I was uh, doing security in the cocktail bar just to make sure none of them went under the bar to like get alcohol and stuff like that. So pretty much I was just sit standing. <laughs> that, that's a handy job of earning. Yeah, no, it's brilliant. And I found out an hour beforehand that they needed extra security. So I was like, yeah, I'll do it. No hassle. Extra 30 quid. So went in, had the crack, standing around. And I noticed that teenage discos are really weird because kids will stay in the same place for 10 minutes and then they'll all get up and leave and walk around the nightclub. It's like they're amazed, enthralled at the fact that they're in a nightclub. So, but these two... Love struck teenagers were sitting down the same place for quite a oh, while. Yes. Yeah. Now, don't get me wrong, there's quite a bit of bumping and grinding at these teenage discos to the point that you have to go over pretty much with a stick and be like, here, come on, out the fuck, <laughs> get out of there, up that, away from her, get out of that dark corner. You know, there's a little yeah. bit of that going on, you know, just, you know, like the type of la- like grinding, just that's all. But these two were holding hands and they were talking and he was talking to her and she was talking to him. And I'm pretty sure I was witnessing a breakup. Mm. And it was one of the saddest things I've ever seen. And then there was a little bit of back and forth. He was talking in her ear. It looked like they were kissing. They were holding hands the whole time. And then I, uh, I had to go away to separate a bit of, bit, of, bit of trouble. This girl kept like climbing up in the seats, dancing. And when I came back, the star-crossed lovers had left. The girl was walking out. He was sitting by himself, and then he got up and walked the other way. Was he snagging? I don't know, but my friend Kyle, he was, uh, he was on the scene. Yeah. So I, I didn't see this. Maybe he's winding me up. Maybe he was trying to just break my heart even more for that poor bastard. She left holding hands with another fella. Oh, da, You vixen! <laughs> you harlot! <laughs> Such heartbreak at these teenage discos. So then, what made my night afterwards was I was walking up for a quick spicy bag in my break before the actual nightclub opened. Two lads, dressed in their Friday best, clobbered up to the tits for the teenage disco. 
And do you know when you walk past and you just hear a snippet of a conversation? Yeah. I don't know why you're teasing me that much. You didn't shift anyone either. <laughs> it's the best know? thing in the world. I can imagine with the big Dundalk accent as well. Ah, so you didn't you shift, didn't anyone, shift either. anyone either. Hey, <laughs> fucking oh, Sound brilliant, like brilliant. Right, few quad, uh, few ones before we go. Invicta cosplay wins. Sean, are they super fun? Alternative psychological warfare or just annoying? I wouldn't be the biggest fan now, to be honest. But there's a lot of kind of nerds, nerdy people. No offense. That's not offensive, I don't think. Is it? Maybe. Who like MMA? So people, I'm sure love, loads of people like it, but uh, not for me. It doesn't bother me or anything like. But they're each to their own. Like. Eamon McLean. Eric Winter is a great man to take over from Dana White. Professional interviews and courteous with the fans. What do you think? I don't know. I think he's better suited to his job at the moment. He's kind of a digital guy and online guy. I think he's very good at what he does. He's an absolute legend and he knows yeah. his shit about what he talks about. And I agree, I agree about how he interacts with the fans. I think yeah, he's, he's the type of guy that goes home and searches just the phrase fight pass on Twitter. Do you know the way? Because people will complain about fight pass but not tag them in it. And yeah. then he will follow them and send them a direct message asking for their details. Sends them like a gift pack, like a five pass gift pack with subscriptions and getting their stuff fixed. That's customer service. Like that's a man who's, as opposed to like calling people goose or don't buy my pay-per-view if you're not going to like it. I think if we could create a symbiote between Eric Winter and Gary Cook, then you've got a perfect replacement for Dana White in the future. But even then, you're looking at maybe five years before Dana steps away. Just enough time for Eric Winter to get built up into that position. Yeah, he could do, yeah. The only thing I've that I find wrong with Fight Pass, and I used Fight Pass fucking probably more than anyone I'm always using it, is they don't upload single fights quick enough. So like Dustin Poirier was fighting Joseph Duffy. Like he's whoever he'd fought the, I think Yancey Medeiros and someone else, whoever these last two fights before that still hadn't been uploaded, you know, as single fights, so I had to go back through forward through like you know, the, the fight pass prelims Events, or whatever. Yeah. The, the, yeah. So then that's the only thing. That's the only criticism I have. And that's very painstaking kind of work. So um, is there that's, not that's the a way? Thing. My criticism is when you go onto a fight card, you should be able <coughs> to scroll through the fight card, press a button and it will skip to that time in the broadcast it's where you idea, can watch yeah. the fight. I think idea. that would be a nice feature for fight pass. They have it like in chapters where you can forward... Yeah. So you but like skipping a DVD a chapter, off, yeah. but sometimes a chapter's in the middle of a fight. Yeah. Is it? Uh, no, it's not. No, it's before all the fights. It's before all the fights. Yeah, which is a handy thing, but you know, it could be better. Skipping anyway. chapters. It's like it's yeah. skipping a DVD chapters. I don't know yeah. what I'm thinking. Maybe I just got mixed up with DVDs. Uh, final couple of questions. DN Black 3. Is the UFC kind of glad Connor lost? They have more leverage now. What do you, what is your t- take on that? I, I saw this earlier. I actually don't really think they do yet. If he were to, if he was to lose his last fight or his next fight, I mean, then he probably would. But he, when he still has the belt, if he beats Frank Edgar, we'll say if he be, if he beats Aldo, he'll have to beat Edgar as well after that. I think. But if he fights Edgar next and beats him, then he's back into the position where he was. I think he can fight Dos Anjos then for the lightweight belt after that. So I don't think at the moment. Um, and I like I don't think the divisions between McGregor and the UFC are as big as maybe we might have thought or as as big as uh, some people might have suggested. 
Bother, I mean, fuck you, bother. What would you know? <laughs> <laughs> no, but, uh, you know, I like... We we all know what McGregor wants to do. Like McGregor, the plans might have changed a little bit now, but he wants to get as big as he as he did and like challenge the UFC to make more money than anyone has ever made, and he's done that. And obviously, he wanted to make it more and more every every time, which was what? kind of what was always said. But um, yeah. What do you make I, of the rumor? I'll ask you a question of a question. Zeus Tipiado, am I saying that right? The guy who founded Middle that Easy. I am. He claims that Conor McGregor turned down a rematch with Nate Diaz for July 4th weekend. Yeah. But there's no card scheduled for July 4th weekend. So I think it's, he means UFC 200. But he says it's legit. That guy, same way when something comes out about Conor McGregor news, if something came from a severe MMA man, like Graham or Pizzi, you'd probably think, yeah, that's legit. That's true. But something comes about Diaz from a guy from Middle Easy, that's the same... Same link, I think. I know he's not involved mm. with MMA anymore, but that guy would have had good ins in Stockton. Yeah, but uh, from what I've heard, it's not true. And Dana White tweeted this morning that it's not true as well. So there you go. So there you go. Connor mentioned in the TMZ thing that they're in talks though, with the UFC. So. Yeah, but... We'll see. Uh, I, I didn't say that they weren't in talks, and Dana White didn't say they weren't in talks. He said, the thing is, has he turned down the fight? And that's not true. Well then, as far as I'm aware, anyway. So maybe he's looking for more money before turning down the fight. So who knows? Uh, turning down a fight, I don't think that's the fight. You know, uh, I don't think it's the fight to make or... at all. I think no, I Diaz don't... maybe is angling for it again because money. He he's gonna get like the rumor is he got three and a half million for that fight. I think Front it'd be Ryan threw that out there yesterday. Yeah, but I think for the UFC especially, they want McGregor to go back and you know defend his belt. And then they can't keep that federal belt on hold for another fight with Nate Diaz I don't think you know so I think um, I think he's going to go back down and defend his belt probably against Aldo final question of the podcast from Andrew McGahan's conquer this weekend Keith Kavanagh MMA who has a better shot against Dosanios Al Kakui or Khabib where does Alvarez fall into this already already lost to one but Khabib's injuries leave a lot of questions to be answered I'm all in on him Tony Ferguson is going to become the 155 king this year, I believe. Uh, I can see him beating this. I can see him beating Khabib and then beating Daniels at UFC 200. Did Did you ever have a chat with Graham about uh, Tony Ferguson? No. Why? Mm. Tony uh, does he hate him? I, I'm sure he he's not a big fan. I'm sure he won't mind me saying. Well, he probably might mind me saying actually, but fuck it. Yeah, he's not a big fan. He thinks his footwork is very clunky and his striking isn't great. Um. I mean, I'll know me and Habib. If Habib comes back... Uh, a fraction you know, of the ability that he had he before. Was, he'll wipe out everyone under 155 in the world. I think he's the best fighter in the world. Habib is under 155. Um, Ferguson is actually a tough kind of matchup because he's so unorthodox with his movements and all. And with his... You know, he'll fly in at you like Ryan Hall with his, with his arse into your crotch and fucking knee barrier or take, try to take your back and stuff. But I think uh, I think Khabib won't mind that. I think Khabib will catch him and throw him around to a suplex city, take him to suplex city and beat him up. And I think Khabib absolutely decimates uh, Dosanios again, like he did last time. No. Mhm. How does how does Dosanios beat or uh, how does Ferguson beat Khabib? By knocking him out. I don't think so. So there you go, Sean. 
Look, Mate. can I not? Look, you have a fan. You have a friend. Can I not have one as well? Tony Ferguson and me are tight. He made me do a push-up when I lost in the UFC game as him. Yeah. You know, it's, that's, if that's not true, you know, true respect, mutual respect for two great people, mm-hmm. I don't know what is. This Dustin Poirier definitely doesn't remember me anyway, I don't think. Why? Did you tweet him? No. Well, I tweeted him, but he never replied to me or anything. <laughs> he never replies and he unfollowed like me. me. And no. he, uh, I never followed me. Oh, well, even worse. Yeah. This guy you're going on about. I know, yeah. Useless. Uh, you know, nice guy, though. Nice guy. Anyway, time to wrap up, Sean. Yeah. For 18 here, PM. The sun is Do- still out. Yeah, do you know one bad thing about my computer? It's I don't know what's happened to it, but the the clock is now fucked up on it as well. No, it's actually four sixteen. Yeah, but well, it's four twenty <laughs> on my computer. Is it? Yeah, I don't know what happened to it. There you go. Maybe uh, maybe it got confused. It got overheated. It got it's baked in the sun. Is it? It's fucking baked with Windows Ten ruined it. That's what it is. You gonna you gonna back any horses this week? For I am in my fucking hole. Gonna back any horses. I might. If someone gives me a ridiculous tip, like a cert, my mate works in a bookies. I can't say what bookies or who he is because if I say that he's giving me tips, then I'll get in trouble. But uh, actually, I better delete that. No, it'll be grand. Because he, he hasn't given me a tip yet. Morning I, assembly tomorrow. What? Morning assembly. Morning actually, assembly. When are, we, when, are we, when are we releasing this? We're releasing this on Tuesday. Oh, yeah, so he'll already have already 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 won. won. <laughs> yeah, morning assembly, there you go. People will think we recorded this tomorrow. <laughs> if he wins, that'll be class. Yeah. <laughs> and um, Oh, you know what's going to happen? Something's oh. going to break overnight. Yeah. And this podcast will. will become obsolete. Maybe we'll we have to just release another it, one. We? Release it today. Yeah, will we? I don't know. We'll, t- we'll talk about it. Maybe release it this evening. Give it a couple It'd of hours. A, a nice little surprise for the uh, For people listeners. to wake up to tomorrow. Yeah. So it can be, it can happen on their commutes to work as opposed to from work. Yeah. Excellent. We'll just say to you the personal scheduling. We have to release it a day early. Mm-hmm. Anyway, if you want to get in touch with us over the next week, we need ideas, folks. We want topics. Over the next couple of weeks, there's a little bit of a uh, uh, Sahara barren. Do you know? It's a desert of MLA out there. And oh, I knew. Ex- Thank you, Sean, so much. Thank you. Because I wanted to start the podcast with this and I forgot about it. One of my favorite blogs that I used to read every day was a, it's a blog called Arse Blog. And yeah. it's a collection of nice posteriors, just put, put pictures, you know, from the day before. You're some creep. Like. And it's actually a blog about Arsenal. It's a guy from Dublin called Andrew Mangan that writes it. And uh, it's a very, very successful blog. But he has created a word that I am now going to adopt into the podcast because I know we have a couple of barren weeks coming up. Yeah. It's the interlull. Mm. Will, I, will I explain its concept to you? You see, can I guess? It's like the time in between big events where you still have to produce content. Close. Very it's close. Happening. It's the time in between waiting for domestic football to start when international football is on. The oh, interlull. Yes, I hate that. I hate international so football. So he used to always talk about the interlull on his first blog the Monday morning after the Premier League had finished for a week and a half because of mm. international fixtures. Oh, and he still had to blog every day, so the interlull. So Andrew Mangan, Arse blog, we're stealing that. Big fan of yours. I was on the phone to him. Uh, was I on the phone to him? No, I met him in Ballyfermot when I was in college there. He was in giving a talk. And um, that's it. He's sound man. Not surprised, motherfucker. Not surprised, motherfucker. Do you do you know Dexter? The <sighs> show. 
Yeah, I've never There's seen There's a video of Sergeant Dokes. Have you ever... He always says, surprise, motherfucker. No, I haven't. So it's like, uh, best of Sergeant... Not surprise, motherfucker. Dokes. And it's like, some fries, motherfucker. <laughs> Catching flies, motherfucker. Or we're going to get pulled again. It's a, It's becoming a... A team with me that I get to sing on podcasts. So I was on Rear Naked Chalk Radio there last week, and they got me to sing as well. Um. Okay, so I don't know. There's actually a great Vine compilation, but I don't know if you can actually hear it, Sean. I can hear. Can you? Yeah. We're definitely going to get pulled. Yeah. <laughs> so, like, it's Sergeant Dokes in a judge outfit, and it says, all rise, mother. Remember uh, remember in The Hangover, when Mr., what's his name, Mr. Cho, at the window, and he's like, toodaloo, motherfucker. Yeah, very good. That's one of my favorite scenes ever. Oh, oh, so that, there we go. Uh, we got onto interlull from that. If you want to get in touch with us over the interlull, and suggest some broad, wide-ranging topics you'd like Sean and I to research at detail. Perhaps you would like to know more about what an ultra-Thatcherite is. Perhaps these are the weeks that we could get a guest on the podcast. Any guests you'd like us to approach and shoot the shit with MMA-related over the interlull over the next couple of weeks, we are down and dirty and ready to do that. Am I right, Sean? Yeah, or just tweet them and like tweet them and be like, "Oh yeah, you'd be great on the severe podcast." Yeah, Yeah. you try and make the connection for us because we'd rather not have to approach anyone. We're too lazy. We don't. We don't want. We're okay with sitting here drinking tea for an hour and forty minutes and just talking crap. Like, we're okay. It's hard enough. It's hard enough for me having to get Andrew on the podcast. Like, never mind getting someone else. That's a bit unfair, but I'm not gonna (laughs) not gonna deny that it is true. Um, So, if you want to get in touch. Over the next week, please do. We're on Facebook now, where I will be posting my Beanie Basher video momentarily. Facebook.com forward slash Severe MMA Pod. Follow us on Twitter at Severe MMA Pod. He is at Sean Sheehan BA. He also has a like page on Facebook because he's one of those people. Sean Sheehan MMA. Andrew McGann underscore on Twitter. Sever Emma, Severe MMA on Twitter. All the good shit. Subscribe to YouTube. Like our Facebook page. Europe's best. Undisputed, undefeated. What do you think, Sean? Definitely the best. All over Irish MMA. Yeah. There's a teaser for next week. Hopefully we're going to be able to release something very, very cool next week. Because I got an email this morning saying it's ready. (sighs) Not surprised, motherfucker. Until then. Good night. I don't know. What am I supposed to say? See you next week.